Well, the US inflation numbers overnight were better than expected, which has produced a swift market response. But was the news really that good? We'll dissect the numbers a little today. China's PPI numbers were a positive sign as well, and an indication that China is lessening its stance on zero COVID as well. We'll look at that. A fairly quiet day ahead, so it's going to be interesting to see whether, with the benefit of hindsight, there is a bit of retracing of steps. After all, the CPI numbers, they were okay, but they weren't that good. It's Thursday, the 11th of August, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So a swift response to those better than expected inflation numbers in the US overnight. The US dollar fell more than 1% on the DXY. The Aussie dollar has leapt up, gaining 1.7%, up to 70.8 US cents now. The yen is up 1.6%, the pound up 1.1%, the euro up 0.9%. Equity markets absolutely loved it. The Nasdaq is back on the rise, closing up 2.9%. Chips or no chips? Uh, the S&P 500 up 2.1%. The Dow up 1.6%. The big movers were Apple, Google, Amazon, which is up 3.5%. And Meta gaining 5.8%. Even NVIDIA's bounced back as well, picking up 5.9% this morning. Uh, not big movements on bonds, well, at least on 10 years. Just one basis point added to 10-year Treasury yields. But two-year Treasury notes did fall 19 basis points on the release of that report, but they've climbed back a, a chunk of that since. Uh, Aussie 10-year yields were up six basis points yesterday to 3.24%, uh, just a couple of uh, points higher in overnight futures. And oil back up today, up 1.3% for WTI and uh, 1% up for Brent, which is a little over 97.20 now. So the positive news is that inflation has cooled in the United States, or has it? Well, let's look at those numbers with Tapper Strickland uh, from NAB in Sydney. Uh, so it was... Uh, at 8.5% year-on-year to July, compared to 9.1% the month before. Although, to be fair, if you take out food and fuel, the core reading year-on-year uh, really hasn't moved much at all. So it's it's not fantastic news, is it? But it, it's not bad news either, but not perhaps as uh, as good as the headline might suggest. Hey, good morning, Phil. Yes, those CPI numbers were the biggest driver of market moves Overnight, and market's really interpreting it in the positive mood, uh, particularly in terms of equities there, as you were mentioning in your in- in introduction, um, the main equity indices in the US up quite sharply. Um, the key takeaway here is um, it adds to the view that some in the market have that inflation may have peaked in the US. And what is really driving that is uh, core inflation, which came out at 0.3% month on month against 05 percent expected. Um, although when you looked into the details, it looked like that core reading was being dragged down by some particularly large falls in a few components, particularly lodging away from home. Um, so that fell by mm. 2.7% and airline fares that fell sharply in July down by 7.8%. So when you actually look at alternative core measures, such as the Cleveland Fed trim mean measure, um, that was a little bit stronger at 0.4% month a month. And the Cleveland Fed weighted median was at 0.5% month a month. So um, some positive tentative signs there, but nothing really to say there has been a discernible change in the trend for, for, for inflation in the US. And actually, when you look at core inflation in the US uh, in June and when you look at it in July, you could almost take the average of, of the two. And if you did, that would suggest the, the pace of core inflation in the US is little changed. It's still running around those 04 to 0.5% a month. So it's, so it's interesting that, uh, you know, some of those figures, like clothes prices have fallen. So that sort of points to, you know, what we've been hearing about surplus inventory, which is a positive sign, isn't it? That, uh, you know, plus perhaps it means supply chain improvements uh, are there as well. 
but I mean, it, you know, you'd, you'd assume that's going to subdue prices for clothes, uh, you know, further because there's because there's more of them in stock. Oh yeah, so you definitely are seeing that tilt from goods uh, or the tilt away from goods. So you did see that decline in clothing, as mm. you noted before, uh, a decline in a few of the other kind of goods components as well. And hopefully, as the year continues, uh, you'll still you'll see a little bit of unwind in in terms of that, um, especially if the um, commodity prices uh, and oil prices do continue to come off as well. The uncertainty, though, is still on the services side. So the services components of mm. CPI are still relatively high. Um, and so it's still unclear exactly to what extent um, any moderation in goods prices um, offsets that continued um, rise in services prices. So I think in terms of how markets reacted to it, I think they see it as an encouraging print, um, but it's still too early to call uh, the, the, the peak in, in, in inflation and or to declare victory yeah. over and, inflation. And, and, you know, quite a reaction, isn't it? So maybe there'll be a bit of a pullback. The other interesting thing, I mean, obviously wage growth is, a, is still a big concern, isn't it? So the Fed is still going to be keeping an eye on that. What I always find interesting is housing costs because uh, there's a bit of a feedback loop here, isn't there? I mean, the, you know, the Fed puts rates up, mortgage costs rise, rents rise, housing costs go up. Those housing cost numbers go into the inflation figure, so it pushes inflation up, uh, you know, because rent a, a, of primary residence uh, was up 0.7% in July. And that's clearly because uh, interest rates have risen so much. Uh, definitely. So there has been a lot more household formation um, happening. And so one way that monetary yeah. policy can work is through slowing that rate of household Formation. So, in other words, you drive the unemployment rate up, uh, less people are going to be wanting to uh, create new households, move out of home, um, those kind of things. And so that can put a bit of downward pressure on rent. So that's the primary mechanism right. um, in terms of putting a bit more subdued um, pressure in terms of rent. Right. Now, we've had since then, uh, the Feds Evans and Kashkari have both uh, spoken out. And presumably, that you know, they are towing the party line. That they still need to tighten further. This, you know, don't get too carried away with these numbers. Uh, definitely. And there was also an article by Nick Timoros in the Wall Street Journal, and he's a well-known Fed whisperer there. And he was also penning a piece uh, along those lines as well. So, in terms of what. Um Kashkari said, and it's just worth noting that Kashkari was formerly the most dovish member on the FOMC, and now he's probably on the very um, hawkish side. Um, and he just reiterated that in June, he recommended a Fed funds rate of 3.9% by the end of this year and 4.4% by the end of 2023. And from the CPI figures, he hasn't seen anything that changes that. Um, so he does certainly hope that uh, inflation does continue to surprise to the downside. But I think the Fed is very wary about calling a turning point in inflation. And if you recall what um, uh, Chair Powell said back in June about how the Fed was head faked by that slowdown in inflation that you saw uh, towards the end of last year. Um, but then they saw inflation turned around and went back up again. So they're going to be very careful about declaring any victory against inflation here. Um, Evans also said it's an encouraging sign, but he's still going through his Fed path of getting the Fed funds rate to around 3.5% by the end of the year and uh, to around about 4% by the end of 2023. So not, nothing within these begins to really change uh, the Fed thinking here. In terms of how markets reacted to it, uh, markets have paired their chances of a 75 basis point hike in September. Now it's 46% price, so basically a 50-50, whether it's going to be a 75 or a 50 basis point hike. And that's down from mm. 73% yesterday. Uh, what I found was interesting that even with those CPI figures, there hasn't been a big change in terms of where markets assess the peak in the Fed funds rate is. Um, so markets are currently pricing a peak of around 3.6% in March 
2023. And that's only down marginally from 3.67% yesterday. Um, so only a small change in terms of where the peak in the Fed funds pricing is. And also markets are still pricing in a, a, around a 50 basis point worth of cuts in 2023. Um, so the other interesting um, market reaction I just want to highlight is in terms of bonds and just how those falls in yields were quickly paired after the release. So as you yes. noted in your intro, two-year yields initially fell some 19 basis points, but now they've paired to around a six, six basis point move. Um, Ten-year yields similarly fell by around 15 basis points. They've been paired to about a two basis point move. So a lot of the initial market reaction in terms of bonds and in terms of rates has, has been paired. Um, where the market reaction has been sustained is in terms of equities. Um, so equities are still... Yeah, so well, here's high. the interesting thing, because the, the VIX index now is below 20. This is the first time it's been there for for four months as though you know this is uh, all signed sealed and delivered almost and yet uh, i mean if inflation is easing because demand is falling i mean if that's what's happening here why would equity investors be excited about that if that is the if that is the cause for it and obviously that's part of it isn't it uh, yeah definitely and i think it's a uh, two f- factors here so equity markets are trying to see the other side and probably gaining a little bit more confidence that perhaps the Fed will be cutting rates in 23. Um, and if they're doing that, then mm. they're seeking uh, longer duration um, equities such as tech stocks. And indeed, when you look at the NASDAQ, it's risen by, what, 2.6% yeah, yeah. today. And actually, when you look at the NASDAQ, it's actually up 20.3% from its June trough. Um, so in some yeah. circles, they would call that being a bull market um, in terms of a 20% mm. gain off, off, off a low, but we're definitely still in the bear market. Um, and uh, the NASDAQ is uh, still 20% away from their November 2021 peak. Um, the other factor in terms of uh, why equities are getting a little bit of a uh, bit here is also the positioning. So um, a lot of people were very, very bearish and um, a lot of that positioning still hasn't necessarily reversed out. Um, a lot of people are still underweight um, equities or at least underweight some of the longer duration equities. So right. it's mm. also probably symptomatic of, of positioning as well. Right. And it's curious that oil is rising today. I mean, you could say, well, okay, people expected demand is going to kick back in, therefore oil is, is rising in, in price. But we saw oil inventories rise in the United States overnight. Uh, so there's more of the stuff not being used. The numbers for last week up to 5.5 million barrels uh, is in reserve, up from 4.5 million the week before. Those stocks were expected to be used up, but no inventories have risen. So that's curious. At the same time, we are actually seeing more uh, being produced. So Petro Logistics reported uh, uh, they track this sort of thing. Uh, the OPEC producers exported 21.3 million barrels per day. Uh, that's 200, so far this month. That's 223,000 more barrels a day uh, in the first week of August than, in last, than last month. And Saudi Arabia... Uh, it's exporting uh, the most in more than two years. So we are getting more of the stuff and it's just piling up in inventories, it seems. So presumably that's going to pull prices down. It, it's a really good question around the oil inventory story. And there has been a lot of speculation about why oil inventories are rising, even though some other indicators do suggest that most of that oil is being taken up. And um, in a blog post, um, the Energy Information um, Administration, which uh, comprises, uh, com- sorry, composes those numbers, noted that their numbers are based on the wholesale data and not on the retail data. So um, in some sense, it actually may be service stations and the like who have been holding off on refilling tanks um, to their maximum um, in the hope so that oil prices down. have peaked right. and so then they can refill yeah, at a yeah. lower price. So um, when you think of a petrol station, they do have actually implied a high degree of storage mm. 
but obviously that has to be refueled on a consistent basis. But um, a petrol station can, at the margin, kind of tilt their purchases if they think or, right. or prices. So then, but I mean, but, so that's yeah, but I mean that makes perfect sense, sense doesn't it? Um, but, but it also sort of like seems to indicate whichever way you look at it, probably oil prices are not. You know, we're not. We can't. We shouldn't be expecting oil prices to rise anymore. It looks like the direction is down, doesn't it? It's, it's very unclear with with oil. So. The market, the, the physical market itself remains very tight um, and probably will tighten further if more European power companies tilt towards oil generation and uh, away from gas as the gas supplies become more uncertain and diminish. So the demand for oil is still going to be very, 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 very strong. But then that's got to be confronted with the worsening demand situation. Um, and so how that um plays out is very un- unclear, but our commodity strategists still remain very constructive on, on oil and they uh, reiterate just how tight the physical oil market is. Well, I guess it also depends on how much China picks up, doesn't it? We've got, we've got some news on that, which we'll look at in a second, but also uh, the PPIs, the producer price index for China as well, that's come down as well from 6.1% year on year in June down to 4.2% in July. That is quite a drop well below expectations. Japan's PPIs are also well down. So that's got to be a, a sign that, uh, you know, future inflation hopefully is is coming down as well. Oh, definitely. And I guess there's one flow through from lower commodity prices that we have seen and from a lower oil price, as well as that the COVID situation in China has obviously meant um, there is fairly weak demand. Um, and you've seen that through a lot of the activity figures there, especially the, the PMI. So it's probably reflective of that as well. Um, to the extent that puts downward pressure on exported goods prices, then that would be a positive sign for the inflation impulse. Right. And how much they pick up, obviously, all, all depends on their attitude towards COVID. Uh, good news on that in that they are now actually allowing flights back in from London. They've been stopped because of uh, of COVID-19. And now they're letting them back in again. The bad news is they've got a new virus now in China as well. So we can add that to monkeypox, which is uh, all over the world now. Polio is making a comeback in London as well. It is a diseased world that we are living in, isn't it? Yes, it looks like there has been a new virus um, being monitored in China. And at the moment, it looks like it's not... Um, severe to cause death. So um, I think there's been roughly 35 people in China who've been infected by this new virus. I think it's called the Lengya virus. Um, and uh, the biggest impacts there in terms is uh, fever, fatigue, cough, uh, sore muscles, nausea, headache and vomiting. So it doesn't sound very nice, um, but at least at the moment it doesn't seem like it's a fatal disease. Um, and in terms of uh, China's zero COVID policy, um, I think it's quite interesting the resumption of flights and just worth noting their one-way flights from China to the UK um, and no tickets actually being sold for the return leg back to China. Um, so uh, m- maybe it's a chink of light uh, f- uh, in that zero COVID uh, policy strategy. Um, and if it is, then that would be broadly positive uh, for the global economy in the months ahead. Um, but still no real indication here when and if China is willing to pivot away from, from zero COVID. Right. So producer prices for the US uh, later today, I guess that would be a big surprise if they didn't uh, come down, but you tell me otherwise. Uh, and uh, not a lot else going on today, really. Uh, you know, we get the weekly jobless claims, which are obviously important because we want to see the, the labour market less tight than it is right now. If the Fed is worried about the wage price spiral. Uh, we get uh, German trade numbers as well and uh, the consumer inflation expectations, the one-year inflation expectations for Australia. That's all coming up today. Yes, yeah, so it's mainly your second-tier data. I think the 
PPI and jobless yep. claims will be worth looking at in the US. So jobless claims have been trending up and a lot of people saying uh, whether that is symptomatic of uh, weakening in the labour market. And you may actually see a bit of weakening in the official payrolls figures in the months ahead. So that's definitely worth watching. We get the Fed's daily who's also speaking, but also I think it'll be just worth watching market moves and just exactly how markets are di- digesting that. Um, yeah. lower than expected US CPI figure. Now they've had a, now they've listened to you, Tapas, and they had a chance to think about it. Absolutely. Are, are they going to change their tune? Uh, good to talk. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And there you are. When good news turns bad. That's what we're here for. <laughs> that is the, uh, that's the morning call for this Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.